Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. I'm Alison, I'm an alcoholic. Um, yeah, well, I never thought I would see the day that I'd be standing up here doing a, a 10-year share. I just did, just never crossed my mind. I used to, you know, when I first came in, I used to see people, I was like, oh, what are the microphones for? Oh, they're being recorded, they're 10 years sober. And I no way, you know, no way I'd ever, I'd ever get there. Um, you know, the first three speakers, uh, you know, they, they talked about gratitude, and I am so grateful, you know, to be here today. You know, actually, actually doing this, you know, it's, it's not, my natural state is not standing up here speaking to a crowd of people. You know, my natural state is sitting on my own, drinking to blackout. You know, that is my normal state, but, you know, through having come to Alcoholics Anonymous for the last 10 years and being willing to be, you know, sponsored, um, working through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, staying sober is not an issue. You know, I find it easy to stay sober these days. You know, alcohol alcohol is not an issue for me anymore. You know, I've I've found a way to live sober. Um, I'm comfortable being sober. I can live life normally like normal people do. And that's that's all I ever wanted. You know, I mean, um, I was brought up, like like Dino said, you know, in, in a loving family. Uh, there was no reason for me to be an alcoholic, but I do believe that I was born with the disease of alcoholism. Um, you know, as a young child, I was, I was restless, irritable, and discontent, you know, from a very early age. You know, nothing was ever good for me. I was very selfish. I would lie. Um, and... I was very, just very discontent, you know, I, I just, nothing was ever good enough for me, and I always wanted what everybody else had, and um, now, when I, when I went to school, um, you know, obviously I, I, I tried to fit in, I tried to fit in with the other children, and I, I would act the fool, you know, I always put on this act that everything was fine, and, uh, you know, a bit of a class clown, and all that sort of thing, and uh, it, it was just to cover up the way I felt inside, because inside I was just uncomfortable, I was self-centred, I was worried about what people thought of me, and, um, you know, it, it just made life difficult. Um, you know, that, that, was, that was school, basically, that's how I got through school. I started, uh, I actually picked up my first alcoholic drink when I was about 12. You know, my, my youngest daughter was just turned 13, and... I was thinking, you know, at 13, I was going into pubs. You know, I was drinking Paranormal Lemonade when I was her age, and I just, I just cringe when I think of it, you know. Um, I drank to blackout, you know, as soon as I started drinking. Um, one or two drinks wasn't on the horizon for me, and I knew before I even started drinking that I would love it. I saw the effect it had on other people, and I, I just knew that that is what, that's what I needed, you know, to make my life okay, and it, and it worked, you know, it worked brilliantly. It stopped that feeling of self-centeredness, it made, it made me able to talk to people, to fit, feel like I fitted in, um, but like I say, I could never control it. You know, once I started drinking, I did not know when I was going to stop, and it, I would, you know, from early on, you know, in my drinking career, I, I did things that I was 
ashamed of, things that I wouldn't do if I was sober. Um, and I would cringe when I woke up if I remembered them. I mean, if not, somebody would probably tell me about them and I'd cringe even more then. Um, but I used to laugh it off at that stage. And I, I always thought, always thought, that I, just, I, I decided whether I would drink or not. Um, but anyway, like I say, I, I drank because I couldn't do life, I couldn't take any responsibility, um, and life was miserable. Life was boring, so I drank. Um, and I drank alcoholically from the word go. Um, I very rapidly started getting very depressed, um, suicide attempts, um, antidepressants, that sort of thing. Um, I, I, I worked, you know, I started work, I held down a job, um, and I didn't drink every day. Uh, but when I drank, I drank to oblivion. I, 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 always, I always looked for that speedy oblivion, and I, had, I drank as fast as I could to reach it once I'd started. Um, and I, th- I think it was like John said, you know what, enough was when I passed out. That, that was enough for me, you know. Or I reached that point where I knew that I was going to pass out. If I was out, I'd go home. Just I wouldn't tell anybody I was going. I just went home. So yeah, that 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 was my drinking, really. You know, we we all know how to drink. And uh, I um, got to about the age of twenty-five, and uh, I, I was aware at that time that uh, perhaps my drinking wasn't very normal, um, and that I did seem to do more stupid things than everybody else. And I always drank more than everybody else, and, and got in more trouble, but. Even then, you know, I, th- I still thought that I was making the choice whether to drink or not. Um, and I, I had my first child when I was 25, and I, I thought, right, th- this is going to sort me out because uh, I think I might be on the on the way to having a drink problem. So I thought that would sort me out, but it, it, it didn't. It just changed where I drank. Um, it changed from going out to pubs and clubs to drinking at home, um, feeling sorry for myself because I couldn't go out. And... Uh, mm. You know, then I got married, I thought that would sort me out, um, had another child, and oh, my, my life was just, it was just a, a series of dramas, um, misery for everybody around me, um, and <laughs> it, it was just horror, you know, I, I, there were good times, I'm, I'm sure there were good times, but I, th- I think the bad times outweighed the good times, and uh, it, it was uh, a miserable existence, and I mean, it, it got to the stage. I mean, I drank alcoholically for for thirty years, you know, give or take a few months. And um, I mean, my my brother came into Alcoholics Anonymous, and I I, I didn't think he was an alcoholic. I, I thought I probably had a problem with alcohol, but I didn't think he did. Um, I just thought he was miserable, you know. He was just, he was just, he just always been miserable, you know. And that that was just the way he was. He never fitted in with anybody, um, you know. He, and he always got pissed off with people and stormed out at Christmas and all that sort of thing. And you know, I thought I thought he was just a miserable old git. But he came in here, and he stopped being quite such a miserable git, you know. And I thought, well. You know, that, that it's obviously doing something for him, but I thought, it, it, you know, I didn't think, I didn't think it was for me. But, um, you know, I, I, it planted the seed. You know, he, he, he didn't shove it down my neck. He, he couldn't, you know, he had to, he had to take a step back um, and watch me, um, hoping that one day I would, you know, be ready. 
Um, and I know I went. I went to the doctors about six weeks before I came into AA, and uh, actually, I, I was actually honest with the doctor about how much I was drinking. And he referred me to the harbour centre, and they refused me. Said I wasn't bad enough. So uh, that, that was a. Oh, I had to go home and get pissed then. So uh, obviously, wasn't an alcoholic. So the harbour centre didn't want me. So I, I went home and got paralytic again. Um, but yeah, you know. But by that time, um, I think probably the last between five and ten years of my drinking, um, I wasn't going out. I was drinking in isolation, and I was really, really miserable. Um, you know, suicidal. You know, there, there was I, I couldn't see any point in life, and uh, I think the only reason that I didn't, you know, seriously, you know, try and take my life was because of the children. Um, and I felt so guilty. Um, but uh, they couldn't stop. That could not stop me drinking. You know, I need to, I need to say that. You know, having children, changing who I was with, where I was, my job would nothing would stop me drinking. Um, much as I hoped it would, it, it couldn't. You know, I may, may be able to stop for a couple of days, but um, as soon as I started getting over the physical, you know, symptoms of a spree. Um, I, I would all, that thought would always come into my head this time it will be different this time I'll be able to drink um, normally um, and I never could so anyway yeah so um, I've digressed again I'll do that um, so yeah Chris gave me the telephone number for Gail um, and he said look this is the name of a, a lady in the group and I said well you know surely you don't want me to come to the same group that you're in I thought you'd be embarrassed you know, of me coming in. He said, no, 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 that's fine. So anyway, that number sat on the side for about three weeks. And, I mean, on the 31st of May, 2006, I, you know, it, was, it wasn't a day any different from any other day. I got up, started drinking quite early, and um, finished the first bottle of wine. About lunchtime, I was just about to start the second one. And I, the, the feeling just came to me that I... In some, something inside me just died, collapsed, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I just knew, I just knew at that point that I could not go on any longer, either with or without alcohol. You know, I, I had two options at that time. Um, I could either kill myself or I could come to AA because the option to carry on drinking... Um, and still feeling the way I was feeling was, wasn't there because the alcohol wasn't working anymore. And, you know, I, I was so desperately, desperately unhappy. Um, so I picked up, the, picked up the phone and phoned Gail, and she started telling me about a bit about her drinking, you know, about how she felt. I mean, I, I didn't know what to say to her, but she knew what to say to me. Um, she, she told me about how she drank, um, about how she felt, how, how she couldn't control her drinking, how desperately unhappy she was, how she tried different things to change the way she felt, um, uh, and the reasons she was, you know, she drank to change the way she felt. Um, and for the first time in my life, I actually identified with somebody. You know, I, I, I'd always thought that I was the only person that ever felt like that. And uh, to actually speak to somebody who obviously felt the same way as I did and drank the same way and didn't feel that way anymore, was, it was just a revelation to me. I, I just could not believe it. Um, and for the first time in my life, I didn't feel completely alone. Um, 
Anyway, so that was on a, I think it was on a Tuesday, and we met up on the Thursday for a coffee, and she brought me to a Friday meeting here. And um, I walked through those doors, and I, I, you know, I didn't have any idea what to expect, um, but I saw, you know, a room full of people that seemed to have it sorted out. They, they seemed to know what was what. They were talking to each other. They were laughing. And they obviously felt comfortable. And, you know, it, I felt so uncomfortable at that time. You know, I just could not imagine having a conversation with, with more than one person. The, 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 the thought of that was horrendous, you know. Um, so I was just told to sit down um, and listen to the shares and listen to the similarities, not the differences, because, you know, I, I didn't go to treatment. I never got arrested. I didn't have my children taken away from me. Um, but that, that was irrelevant. That was completely irrelevant. Um, I identified with the way, the way people felt um, and the reasons they drank um, and their inability to not pick up the first drink that would get them drunk. Um, and those were the things I identified with. And, you know, they, these people, they, they told me, quite in no uncertain terms, that I didn't have to feel like that anymore. I didn't have to feel like the future was a black hole um, and that there was no future for me in this world. I never had to feel that as bad as I felt that night again. Um, and all I needed to do was to get myself a sponsor, um, which is somebody that's already worked through the 12 steps at a spiritual awakening or a change of thought and attitude, um, and whose recovery I, I admired and I wanted. And, um, you know, at that time, you know, I, I, I just wanted what you people had, you know, and I, I would have done anything. I would have done absolutely anything. So I, I, I asked Gail if she would sponsor me temporary sponsor and um, she gave me some simple suggestions to do um, she asked me if I was prepared to go to any lengths for um, to, for victory over alcohol and I yes yes I hadn't got a clue what I was saying you know but yeah I was I was prepared to do anything because I felt so bad you know I could not have felt worse at that time um, so she gave me the simple suggestions to do she said right she said Get yourself a big book, Basic Text of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, just for today card. And she sent me home with some telephone numbers, the other girls in the group. And um, I was told to go home and get down on my knees and thank a higher power or something. Just thank something that uh, some power greater than myself um, that I'd been sober that day. Um, I could do that. Uh, she said you know, read a passage from the big book. I could do that. Just the doctor's opinion to start with and just keep reading that. Um, then she said, and write down some things that you're grateful for. Now, that, that was a bit tricky because, I mean, my drinking was uh, mostly based on self-pity. And, God, what? I didn't have anything to be grateful for. You know, it, life had dealt me a pretty rotten hand you know the fact that I had healthy children and a roof over my head and you know all these things I hadn't lost my friends my family you know I, I had a load to be grateful for and I just didn't didn't realize it um but I did it um I just did it and I got up the next morning and I got on my knees and I asked a higher power for a sober day. I didn't, have, I didn't have any conception of what a higher power was. I was just told that 
I needed to put in the actions, and that was all I needed to do, and believe that they would work. Um, and I was just willing to do it, you know. I was willing to do anything, like I said. Anyway, so, yeah, got down on my knees, prayed for a sober day, read some more of the big book, read my Just For Today card, and I had phoned up a couple of... Uh, couple of other girls that are in the group and um film a sponsor every day um and just to let her know how i was what i was doing just to and you know she could tell you know within a few days that i was doing the suggestions you know because i started brightening up you know literally within a few days of doing those simple suggestions that that obsession um to drink to change the way i felt they're pretty much gone. Um, the suggestions that I was doing were changing the way I felt sufficiently that I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking about alcohol. I didn't. I didn't need it. Um, and I started that that knot of fear that I used to wake up with in the mornings every morning until I had a drink went. Um, I was told to get the... I mean, at that time, I was, I was very, very lucky because this, this group had four meetings, so I, I was going to four meetings a week um, and hearing the same message, you know, from all four meetings, it was amazing. You know, all the girls were getting together. Um, you know, we were having pizza and film nights and meeting up for coffee. And I, I literally, I just threw myself in. You know, I was, I was so fortunate that I was able, you know, I was in a position to do that and I had the willingness to put this first... I was told that I needed to put this first above everything else, um, and my, the, the quality of my recovery would would be based on that. So, and I, you know, I, I wanted what the winners in this group had. I wanted, I wanted, and I wanted my, I wanted to be the best sponsee, um, and I wanted to be a good example for any other newcomers coming in. Because um, I was told within a, you know within a week or two of coming in and starting doing the suggestions, you know I had something to share for a newcomer. You know I could speak to a newcomer and say, look, you know you, you could come in, you can you can you don't have to feel like this anymore. You know just start doing, you know get yourself a sponsor, do these suggestions, and you know you can start feeling better straight away. Um, like I say, my sponsor could see that I was you know throwing myself into this. I was doing service, I was sweeping up. Um, get into my meetings early and yeah I, I was loving it I was absolutely loving it and um, you know pe- people outside the meetings they, they noticed a change me you know my family noticed a change very quickly and um, she saw that like I say she saw I meant business and um, she said right you've obviously got you know I, was, I proved that I had step one um, that I was powerless over roll call that my life had become unmanageable um, because I had the willingness to do this stuff, you know, I proved that. And um, I was ready to believe that a power greater than myself could take away, you know, the defects of character. So, you know, I was, we went out to Buckfast Abbey, um, I got down on my knees and did the step three prayer with my sponsor. And, you know, I, it was amazing, you know, absolutely amazing. And um, just to be able to turn my life and my will over to a higher power, any any old higher power that you know you fancy is fine. Um, it was just such a relief. Um, you know, I, I say that step three prayer every morning and every evening, and I have done every day, every morning and every evening since that day. 
And um, because I have to remind myself that I have turned my life and my will over to my higher power, um, and, and through remembering that, I can accept, you know, I can ex accept anything that comes along. You know, I mean, over the last ten years, you know, I've had trials and low spots, as we call them. You know, everything hasn't been brilliant all the time, but I know, I know that I can deal with absolutely, I can deal with anything. You know, if I if I put this program first, absolutely anything. Um, you know, and if anybody comes in and thinks, oh, they need to deal with something else before getting sober, that's rubbish. You know, this this will resolve everything. You know, this will resolve any problems. But um, anyway, yes. Yeah, so I did my step three, and that was brilliant. And then I had to do my step four, which wasn't so brilliant. And but. I was told to just just get on with it. I think I was given a, a three-week period to do it in. And I just had to write down all my resentments, all my fears, all my sexual conduct for as far back that I could remember. And who I had the resentment towards, uh, what the resentment was, and I then became familiar with my defects of character which um, I didn't think I had. Um, but it became all too apparent that I had, yeah, I'd, I had some defect, defects of character that were sort of simmering below the surface that were causing me to, to not feel very comfortable, let's put it that way. Um, you know, like I say, I was run, ruled by self-pity, self-centeredness, selfishness. It was all about me. Everything was all about me. And... My best thinking, my self-will, whatever you want to call it, you know, got me here. Um, so anyway, so I wrote all that down and I, I shared it with my sponsor. I, I heard in the, you know, I heard in the meetings, to, if I was fearless and thorough with that part of, my, of the steps, then, you know, the chances are that I would have a, a good chance of staying sober um, you know, I, I, I did not want to drink. I did not want to go back to how I felt before I came in here. So, yeah, I, w I was fearless and thorough, and I wrote everything down. And um, I shared it with my sponsor. And that was basically it. You know, she said, well, you're just an average alcoholic. Because, you know, she, she shared some of the things that she'd done. I, th I think they're probably worse than mine, but, you know... I'll scale for you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was just such a relief to get rid of all that stuff. Um, you know, I, d I didn't have to feel guilty. I could get rid of the guilt and the remorse. Um, and I could recognise my part in, you know, all the, all the things that I'd done wrong. Um, so, yeah, the, the six and seven, I, you know, I, uh, I was ready to have my defects of character removed from me. So we said the, the step seven prayer. Another one that I say, go, I haven't finished yet. <laughs> so I prayed for my defects of character to be removed. And again, every morning and every night since that day, you know, I've prayed for the same thing um, because I've still got those defects of character um, and they can creep up on me and cause me problems if I'm not 
you know, on top of them if I'm not aware of them. Um, you know, we've got step tens. You know, I made I made amends to the people that I'd hurt in my step nine, um, and in step ten, I can deal with resentments as they come along. You know, I, I don't need to suffer. You know, any any suffering that I do need these days is of my own making. You know, I I, I don't have to suffer anymore. Um, misery is definitely optional. Um, you know, I I don't need to wallow in self-pity um, because that gets me absolutely nowhere I've discovered that um, and I've got to put this first I can't get complacent I, I cannot afford to get complacent about this stuff you know 10 years sober is is nothing I'm hopefully got a lot of years in front of me that I'm going to be on this planet and you know I want to stay I want to stay sober and I want my life to get better because I'm assured it will um, if I put this first um, and keep the principles of AA in my life. Um, stay sponsorable. I've got to stay honest, um, humble, you know, keep the humility I had when I came in. Then I know that the best years of my existence lie ahead. And, you know, if, if there's anybody new or struggling, you know, just just go for it. You know, the, if, I, if I can stay sober for 10 years and love every minute of it, then, you know, the, there's hope for everybody. You know, this is guaranteed if you throw yourself into it. You know, get yourself a sponsor, copy that big book, and just be willing to do the principles of AA, the actions. Put in the actions, and you'll be fine. Thanks again. Thank I'm David, I'm an alcoholic. It's really, really good to be at my home group tonight and welcome to any newcomers or people that are coming back. Um, three great shares. Um, I, you know, my experience is that um, I was 20 years sober a couple of weeks ago um, and, you know, I've, I've never had it so good. You know, life is amazing. Do you know what I mean? That's what's on offer here. Um, now, I didn't set out to be an alcoholic when I was younger. Um, um, when I went to the careers office, I didn't say I want to be an alcoholic. Do you know what I mean? You know, that seems to have good career, you know, um, prospects. Do you know what I mean? But from an early age, I was interested in alcohol. You know what I mean? I come from an Irish background, and they did used to like a drink. Do you know what I mean? My family. Um, it seemed like they used to come home on a Saturday night, um, bring a couple of crates of beer back, a bottle of Coke and some crisps for us lot. That's the kids. Um, and I remember my mum and my dad and the friends used to put the music on and they used to, you know, they used to drink and obviously they seemed to be more happier, do you know what I mean? And I remember just having this sort of uh, fascination of this stuff from an early age, do you know what I mean? And, um, and me and my cousin, you know, one time we had these bottles of beer and, we, you know, we didn't have a bottle open, I was trying to open it, we were trying to bite them. Um, eventually we just smashed it against the wall and I tasted the stuff and I thought, that is so nasty. How the hell do I get? How do I even drink that stuff? Do you know what I mean? It's awful. It tastes like poison. Um, but you know that that sort of um, obsession with you know. I remember we used to go to the pub. I'm not that big now, but there used to be curtains. I used to look over. I used to see them all. You know, people in the pub, and I always wanted to be you know doing that sort of stuff. And um, you know, I, I grew up. I had a good upbringing. I mean, I I, I went to a good Catholic school. Um, try to do the right things, you know what I mean? I, you know, I used to try and practice that, you know, that sort of religion, which is a good religion. Um, 
But part of me wanted to misbehave, do you know what I mean? I was always thinking to myself, I don't like being good, do you know what I mean? So when the teacher went out of the classroom, I used to be rifling through a handbag trying to nick her money, do you know what I mean? And this is from about the age of nine or ten. And, you know, I weren't the worst kid in, in, in the world, but for some reason I wanted to do the wrong things, do you know what I mean? And, you know, if my family, if, if I got caught doing that, my mum and dad would absolutely be devastated, do you know what I mean? But for some reason... It didn't actually stop me, do you know what I mean? And I'd go across the road after school, not every day, but, you know, I would, when the, the guy was looking the other way, I'd, I'd nick some fags, nick some crisps, and, you know, you know, and then I'd go back to confession and try and, and just lie about what happened, do you know what I mean? And, you know, so, you know, I, I was never really completely right even before I started drinking. But, um, you know, for me, I, I, I sort of... Drinking, for me, seemed to ease that discomfort, do you know what I mean? Because even though I was feeling all that sort of stuff I was so sort of um, I worried from an early age what people thought about me, do you know what I mean, I was self-conscious you know what I mean, I had like goofy teeth I used to wear a brace um, my nose used to run constantly, do you know what I mean um, and you know, when people took the mickey out of me, I took it really personally, do you know what I mean and it was like um, you know, I took that all in, do you know what I mean and, and so I was, I was kind of concerned about how people thought about me but I kind of created this life for myself, I became you know, my, my mates were into fashion. I ended up buying, like, nice clothes. Well, my mum bought nice clothes for me. Um, and I started changing my sort of image. And then through that, I started going to parties at school. Um, and I remember just from an early age, we used to go to these uh, pubs. And um, they'd never let me in there because I was too small. So we used to have all these dodgy IDs, you know what I mean, that we got from places. Um, well, my friends got them. And... I remember having this one when I was 20. He said I was 21. And I remember memorising this birth certificate, my name, and um, what my date of birth was, all the way to this pub thinking that I was going to get in because all my mates seemed to be taller and had beards. And they're only about 13, 14. And I remember getting to the, into this pub and not being able to... And the guy said, you're having a laugh, and just took the uh, birth certificate off me. Um, and I had to wait outside while, again, they were drinking. But, um, you know, they're laughable consequences. But, you know, I got to a point in, you know... Through that sort of life of, of drinking and running on self-will, I, I never kind of grew up, you know what I mean? I used to take rejection quite badly, you know, if I was with a girl and it all went wrong, which it always did, you know, I'd be, like, devastated, do you know what I mean, and, and like, in tears, um, and never being able to get over my emotions. You know, my emotions seem to always rule me, and my mum say, get over it, there's loads more fish in the sea. And, you know, but I never got over it. I would, I would just carry on drinking, and, and eventually I got to a point where... My life just completely went downhill. Um, alcohol stopped working. You know, it says in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous there was always one more attempt and one more failure. And, you know, I was suffering from paranoia, anxiety. Um, the alcohol stopped working. Um, and it just seemed, seemed to, everywhere I seemed to look, there seemed to be problems, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, I wish for the end. You know, it talks about knowing loneliness that few do. Do you know what I mean? I just felt that deep loneliness well, I didn't want to be that person no more, do you know what I mean? And it's, you know, I was just... I became a defeated alcoholic, even though I didn't know it at that time. You know, something broke inside me. And, um, you know, I started seeking help. And, uh, you know, what happened to me was that um, I tried a few treatment centres, um, didn't really... kind of heard of AA. AA turned up at my house once for my old man. My mum called him, and it was two guys in suits. I thought they were CID, so I ran out. Um, they looked so smart, do you know what I mean? Um, and I just, mum said, you better make yourself look scarce. So I've done a runner. Um, and um, 
So I, I did, you know what I mean? That's the, the only time I kind of met people from AA. They looked quite like, like the police, to be honest to me. Um, so, you know, and then I, I ended up going through a couple of treatment centres and, the, you know, treatment, treatment didn't work for me. The reason why, you know, they were good people and they tried to help me, but I'm an alcoholic. I suffer from, uh, I need a, I've got a spiritual illness, do you know what I mean? You know, I've got this, this uh, disease, you know, this, like Steve talked about, this uh, obsession of the mind, this physical allergy from alcohol where, where I can swear it off, do you know what I mean? I can hide away from it, but I have this strange irrational thinking around it where I just... For some reason, it, you know, I fancy a drink. A good idea comes into my head. And then once I start drinking, I can't stop. Do you know what I mean? And, and when I was in treatment, all I was doing was talking about my emotions. Do you know what I mean? And my issues that I thought I had. And I thought the more honest I get, the better I will feel. But I actually felt worse. Do you know what I mean? It's only through that treatment that really, they sent me to Alcoholics Anonymous, says, go to AA. Um, and eventually, I, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, do you know what I mean? As part of um, that suggestion. And then I remember coming to meetings, you know, um, around in Plymouth, you know, because obviously that's where I moved down to. Um, and, you know, you know I, I had a sponsor um, at the time, but, you know, it says we can't transmit something we haven't got. Do you know what I mean? You know, you need a sponsor that's worked the 12 steps. You need someone that's, you know, worked this program that's got in their life. Do you know what I mean? It's had a spiritual awakening that can pass it on to you. Do you know what I mean? You can't transmit something you haven't got. And... So the guy that was trying to sponsor me really didn't have the program. It was a, a, a watered-down version of it. Um, and eventually I heard um, Wayne, my sponsor, sharing on... It was on a Friday night meeting. Um, no, sorry, it's a Monday, Monday meeting, a meeting that used to go to the Joys of Recovery. And I heard a lot of bad press about, uh, about Wayne, but I heard him sharing, um, and I just thought, this, this can't be the same guy people have been talking about, do you know what I mean? And, you know, he had something about him. He had a, a sparkle in his eyes, do you know what I mean? He had a, a purpose about him. Um, and I remember saying, come along to my meeting. And I remember coming along to the meeting, it was up on the hoe. Um, it's probably this time of year, do you know what I mean? I shared, I shared, to be honest, when I was two years sober um, at the Rose Recovery, and Ali was the uh, secretary at the time, and John was there, Wayne was there, uh, Alexis was there and a few other um, guys as well. And I remember going to that meeting. Um, it was freezing in there, um, but there was something about that meeting. There was a spirit in that meeting. There's people that normally wouldn't mix together. Do you know what I mean? That's what you find in Alcoholics Anonymous. There's people from all walks of different lives. Do you know what I mean? But we have this common purpose. Do you know what I mean? We have this solution that we absolutely all agree on. And that's what I heard that night, that unity in that room of sharing about the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. Do you know what I mean? The undiluted message of the 12 steps. You know, that you, if you work the steps with a sponsor, as soon as possible, you will get that what's on offer, which is an amazing life. Do you know what I mean? A life of freedom, a life that gets better as time passes. And, you know, all these promises were shared every week to me. Do you know what I mean? That, and, and I remember just looking at it and thinking, you know, I've got nothing else going on. I want this program more than anything else. Do you know what I mean? I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. My life is boring. Do you know what I mean? I had nothing going on. It was just tedious, you know what I mean? And these guys were offering me a solution better than I've ever been offered before. No doctor could offer me that, no counsellor, no, nothing else in that world could offer me that, what they were offering me. And it was, you know, it was a great life, and I could see it in them, do you know what I mean? They were saying, saying it week in, week out. And they said, you didn't have to wait around, you know, there's no waiting list here tonight, you can be seen straight away. You don't have to make an appointment, you know, you can get a sponsor tonight and start getting on with the work. And I was told that, do you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm not a complete mug, do you know what I mean? And I saw something on with these guys that they were saying. It's strange, because I, I identified more with Wayne 
and John and Alexis than any other uh, other meeting, for fun, funny enough. I identified with their thinking, do you know what I mean, how they reacted to things. It wasn't so much the drinking. Drinking is just a symptom of the problem, do you know what I mean? It's about how we think. It's about alcoholism, do you know what I mean? And not only that, how they, how they live in their lives today, the solution. And, um, you know, they told me to buy a copy of the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous, do you know what I mean? I started reading that book. It was the most boringest book I've ever read. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't understand any of it, do you know what I mean? But I was told to read it. I was told to say a simple prayer. I was told to call my sponsor every day. Um, I used to just live around the corner. I used to walk to the phone box, phone, put the money, uh, try and phone my sponsor. He was engaged, and then I phoned back again. Um, and then, you know, I, I was, you know, he said, that, you know, it's time to go through the work. And um, I remember going around to his house. Um, and me and Andy Redjacket was kind of going through the steps because I used to see him coming back. And like, probably we're doing the steps at the same time. So, um, but he got here before me, <laughs> but um, by by a few weeks. But um, I remember going around doing this step three, and I remember thinking, I'm going to give this a go. I really are going to give this a go. Do you know what I mean? Because I want what's on offer. I, I you know, I want to have. A, I want to be a better person. I want a better way of life. Do you know what I mean? I'm in my early twenties. Um, I've lived that hellish well of life like everyone knows. You know what I mean? Everyone knows how it feels to be an alcoholic out there living that life where it ain't even living, it's existing, it's dying basically. And to come in here and then be offered a solution and for the first time in your life have a bit of hope in your life. And I, I remember going around doing that step three um, and then just after that thinking to myself, I'm going to give this a go. You know, and then I, you know, I went through the rest of the steps and I remember doing my step four and five um, and it talks about up there, misery is optional. You know what I mean? And you know, once I've done that step four and five, you know, I can't. I couldn't always step the, stop the resentments coming in, but I could do something with them. Do you know what I mean? Because I lived my life before it was everyone else's fault. Do you know what I mean? It was the place I grew up in. It was my parents. I should have had the parents down the road who were drug dealers. Do you know what I mean? Because they seemed more cooler. Do you know what I mean? They let the kids up all night, and they let them smoke weed. Do you know what I mean? Why I should have had them. Do you know what I mean? But I didn't realise at the time that my parents were doing a loving thing around me all the time by keeping me in. Do you know what I mean? Or trying to do the right thing. I'm a parent today. I know. I know. You know. I can. I can understand that today. Do you know what I mean? But you know, I just um, remember doing that step four and five, and sharing the stuff with my sponsor that I'd never shared with anyone else. Do you know what I mean? My deepest, darkest secrets. The things that I used to think about myself, do you know what I mean? More so, it was more stuff that I thought about than the stuff I actually done. Because I, you know, over the years, my mind got sicker and sicker and sicker, do you know what I mean? And that's what happened to me. And I remember sharing that stuff, and it just seemed like, um, you know, it talks about in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, again, we might have had cer- certain spiritual beliefs, but we start to have a spiritual experience. And that's the great news. You can change despite yourself. You don't have to think about it. If you do it, you're changed. The result is a spiritual awakening which is the best deal for people like us. And, uh, and I remember my sponsor saying to me, we was up on the moors um, sharing that step five. Um, there was cows out there. Um, and um, I remember saying, Alexis and the rest of the guys are out there somewhere, so I was a bit paranoid <laughs> that they weren't. <laughs> but, you know, I remember doing that step five and coming back and just thinking, you know, I knew then something had changed in me. Do you know what I mean? You know, you know when you've done the steps, that step and you've taken it honestly. Do you know what I mean? And you know that not inside your stomach starts to ease and that you start to see things differently. Um, and that, you know, that, that's, you start to feel that higher power in your life. You know what I mean? And that power great in yourself. And I remember just looking at and thinking, 
this is good stuff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is good stuff. This, you know, I, you know, I've drunk a lot of alcohol and I've taken drugs, but this is the this is becoming the best buzz I've ever had. Do you know what I mean? This is this is real. This is the real deal. And I remember just you know going through the rest of the steps. Do you know what I mean? And uh, you know coming to my meeting like Steve shared about. You know, I remember putting my hand up. I wasn't so excited about sharing like Steve was. You know, I used to sh- want to say what I wanted to say. It all used to come out wrong. But my sponsor says just keep putting. You know, just keep sharing. Just keep putting the action in. Sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. But you just keep coming along. You keep doing that stuff. You know, do the opposite of what your, your, your mind's telling you. Share for the newcomer. Let them know what's going on. You know what I mean? That your life's changed. Because we can only keep what we have by giving it away. You can't sit, you can't sit in silence. You know what I mean? You know, tell them how, what's happened in your life, how it's changed. Um, and that's been my experience. You know what I mean? That's what I started to do. Once I started to talk about it, it seemed like it became even better. <coughs> Do you know what I mean? And that's what that's been my experience, and I know that's, that's happened for a lot of people. Um, and you know, after that, I, you know, I, you know, I just made amends. You know what I mean? And I made amends to my mum and dad, the people that I really treated badly. You know, the people that really stuck by me, the people that really should have thrown me out years ago, but loved me when I didn't love myself. I went back to them people, and I sat down with them, and I said, "Would you forgive me for my inexcusable behaviour?" Um, you know, I'm really, you know, sorry I, I treated you that way, you know, and, uh, you know, they just said, carry on doing what you're doing. You know, you, we always knew that you had a good heart. We knew you were sick. Do you know what I mean? And what a, re- what a response that was. Do you know what I mean? I don't think I could have I've said that to someone if someone treated me that badly. You know what I mean? I probably would have uh, said, see you later. But, you know, that's what parents are there for. Do you know what I mean? And I remember just going back and making amends to them um, and my other family, you know, I had to do some financial amends. You know what I mean? And, you know, just the promises come after step nine, you know what I mean? It's, you know, there's more good stuff, do you know what I mean? It's not just, you know, you do your step five, there's promises all the way through the steps. And, you know, I started to lose that fear of today. And, you know, and I remember just knowing that the rest of my life could be so good, do you know what I mean? And, and for me, um, you know, I've lived 20 wonderful years, you know what I mean? I've lived, you know, a different life, you know what I mean? A life that, you know... It has been amazing. Do you know what I mean? It has been absolutely amazing. You know, and you, anyone can have this. Do you know what I mean? I was told old Wayne's old sponsor, David B, said he used to always say, "Go for gold." You know, go for gold. You can go for gold in Alplitz and on this. And I remember meeting this guy, spending a bit of time with him. He used to come down to Plymouth, and um, and you know, amazing, amazing guy. You know, I mean, you know, he's, 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 he was a gentleman like Wayne talks about, and he said, "You can go for gold." That guy was always with newcomers, like my sponsor is, um, and you know I never forget them words. And that's what I've done. You know, I've I insist in enjoying life today. Do you know what I mean? You know, it talks about an adjusted A card. I'm happy as I make my mind up to be. You know, uh, we're not a glum lot. Do you know what I mean? You know, and you know, even though we have sometimes difficult times, and you know things don't always go away, which is life itself. You know, what I mean that's part of the deal. Um, because I used to hide away from life. I used to sit on the sidelines thinking. I ain't going to go and talk to that girl because I'm going to probably get, get rejected in the end. I ain't going to do this. And I used to think about stuff that, you know, because it's always going to be negative. Do you know what I mean? And Alcoholics Anonymous is, is, is showing me courage to grow up and face life, you know what I mean? And, 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 and do things that are above me. Do you know what I mean? That was never going to happen for me because I was always sitting on the sidelines watching everyone else get on with life, resenting them um, because I couldn't do it. You know, and, and I've been able to grow up in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know what I mean? And, you know, through, through working these steps, you know, and practicing these principles, you know what I mean? And, you know, that's, that's, that's where the good stuff comes again, you know what I mean? Because, 
You know, I was so unforgiven, do you know what I mean? I, you know, forgiveness was not even my, in my vocabulary, do you know what I mean? I was um, so cut off emotionally from what was going on, do you know what I mean? It's like, um, I see alcoholism as a soul sickness, do you know what I mean? You know, and um, through the result of working these steps, you know, I've been able to learn to be forgiven, do you know what I mean? And I remember when I first, you know, a couple of years into Alcoholics Anonymous, um, you know, all I wanted was a girlfriend, do you know what I mean? Because most people do. Well, it depends on what sex you are, but... Um, but, um, you know, it's, you know, and I, I remember just, um, you know, you've got to be careful what you pray for, do you know what I mean? Because I've got one, and uh, which is fine. Um, but then, you know, got married, and that, that went... They didn't go wrong, because I don't think anyone... I have no regrets today. You know I mean, everything that's happened in my, in my recovery has happened for a reason. I don't, I don't see things as regrets. I just see that as another chapter in my life. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, as a result of that, um, my life completely changed again. I remember being eight years in Alcoholics Anonymous, being in my home group. Um, I had this emotional uh, things going on, and I remember I stopped communicating with my sponsor, and... Um, I remember leaving this group for two, for two days, you know what I mean? <laughs> Which ain't a long time. But, you know, I couldn't even leave this meeting if I wanted to, do you know what I mean? Because when I was out there hiding in my flat, when people were calling me, um, and I remember going to my sponsor's house and talking to him, he said, just communicate with me, you don't have to be perfect. Who told you you have to be perfect? Where'd you get that stuff from? But I'd built this stuff up in my own mind that I had to be a certain way. Because I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous, it doesn't mean I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to have times where... Things are going to hurt, you know. Things are going to go wrong. Do you know what I mean? You know, and it, it, you know that that that's something I've built up in my, my own sort of mind. And people leave the meeting sometimes because they think they have to be a certain way, and that taught me a lesson. Do you know what I mean? And you know, I changed again. I got closer to my higher power. Um, I came back to this group um, after only after a couple of days, but I realised that you know, and, and that, that I had another shift in me, and I I overcome that problem. Do you know what I mean? And I remember just. One day thinking about it, I'm not, I remember waking up one day thinking, I'm not even actually thinking about it no more. That is amazing. Because all my problems before that, I seemed to drag them around. Do you know what I mean? And I was able to deal with it, and my sponsor got me to do 12-step calls, working with other alcoholics, throwing myself completely into this meeting, getting to extra meetings, and eventually I got through that, and I remember just, even in them times where it felt quite painful, I felt free and happy. Which is, is, that's the good news, you know what I mean? There were moments where I felt like that, but the other times I felt like I was f- happy, joyous and free. Um, and my life today is absolutely, you know, um, absolutely amazing. You know, this Monday, gone, um, my old man died two weeks ago. I went back to um, his funeral um, on Monday. Um, me and my brother and my cousins helped to carry the coffin um, and I remember just being around my family that day, even though it was quite a really sad day, I remember the comfort I got from my family and how, how I was there to be for them, you know, and uh, you know, I remembered all the good things about my old man because when I was a kid, you know, I used to wish for his death. Do you know what I mean? I hated him. Um, funny enough, when I come into recovery um, and started doing the right things and had my own family, I realised how much a good man he was. Do you know what I mean? And how, how warped my perspective was around him. And how, how, how diseased my thinking was. And I, I realised that he was quite a, a good man, you know what I mean? And he'd he done a lot for a lot of people. Do you know what I mean? He was a man, if someone was on their own, he'd go and visit him in hospital. You know what I mean? He'd do stuff in his local community. Um, but because I was out there getting off my head, 
drinking and, and misbehaving, of course we're going to clash. Do you know what I mean? You know, I didn't see that at the time because I was such a selfish, self-centered person, I couldn't really see past my own nose. Do you know what I mean? That's the way I was. Um, and, you know, I, I know, I know for anyone in this meeting, do you know what I mean, that the best is yet to come if you stick around. You know, it's been the most exciting journey of my life. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm, I'm living in, in a, probably living the best days of my life. Do you know what I mean? You know, I'm living in a wicked part of Plymouth. Do you know what I mean? Plimpton. So, you know, if you come along to that area, make sure you don't misbehave. Because uh, Mark will sort you out. <laughs> he's, he's, the mayor of Plim- uh, he's the mayor of Plimpton. Um, but you know what I mean? I'm living in a, a really lovely part of Plymouth. I'm not saying the rest is rubbish, but... Um, you know, I've got, a, I've, got a, I've got a wonderful life today, you know what I mean? You know, I've got four wonderful children, you know, I've, I've got a job that, you know, I enjoy. Do you know what I mean? That, you know, I'm probably the most happiest person in that place, which winds people up. You know, people say that I come to work and, no, and I'm, already, I'm already excited about what I'm doing. Some people never even get there, but I'm just, you know, every day I count my blessings. Do you know what I mean? I say a simple prayer in the morning and I ask God, Loving God, that's you know changed my life. Um, you know to you know to be sober that day, and you know to be divorced from self pity, um, and trying to help other people. You know that's where it's at. Anyone can get this. If you're new here tonight, I'm really really excited for you because I can see the potential in people. Do you know what I mean? When I when I see sponsor people, I think you can do so much better for yourself. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's what my sponsor done to me. He just showed me the way. And encouraged me to do the right thing and take responsibility for my life. You know what I mean? Not to be a child no more and grow up. Um, you know, and I, I love the way I see things today. My whole perspective in life's changed. You know what I mean? I can think things through. I can make decisions. Do you know what I mean? And that's 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 brilliant. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't I couldn't make any decisions before. I can take my infantry. You know, I can, I can shut my mouth when I need to shut my mouth. You know what I mean? Hopefully. Do you know what I mean? Make amends. You know, and I, I try and. I try not to live my life with regrets, you know what I mean? Every day I try and see situations and think, probably I shouldn't do that today, or probably I shouldn't say that to my missus. <laughs> not perfect, you know what I mean? I, I said something to her this morning I had to make amends to, but, you know, so, you know, the, the best years of your life lie ahead, you know, get yourself a sponsor, go through the steps, you know, don't worry about a higher power, mate, do you know what I mean? You know, if you're new around, don't, you know, I just done it, you know, I acted like I was powerless. I didn't know what, what to do, so I got a sponsor, and I followed his suggestions, you know what I mean? And whatever he said what, went, you know what I mean? And I see today, you know, you know I'm, as, I'm as happy as I make my mind up to be, you know? And it's good to be wrong, you know, because I get to be happy. Do you know what I mean? That's the way I see it. And uh, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.